welcome to this BJSM podcast. My name is Brooke Patterson and today I'm really excited to be joined by Associate Professor Izzy Moore and Grania Donnelly again in part two of our return to running and sport postpartum discussion. Izzy is a professor in sports medicine and human movement at Cardiff Metropolitan University and Grania is an advanced physiotherapist focusing on pelvic, pelvic health and is based in Northern Ireland. If you haven't already, I would recommend listening to the Be the Difference That Makes the Difference BJSM podcast, where Izzy and Gronia discuss return to sport frameworks for postpartum women and the role of the musculoskeletal clinician. Welcome back, Izzy and Gronia. Hi, thanks for having us. And today we're joined by an extra special guest, a patient of Gronia's, who is also a pelvic health physiotherapist, Steph. Steph has a four-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy and is self-employed with two busy physio clinics. She's married to a physio and currently doing a master's. And Steph, it sounds like you've always been involved in sport from a young age and throughout your career, and you're really keen to return to sport after the birth of your children. Thank you so much for joining us. And so today the plan of attack is that we're going to talk through your journey using the six R's framework for return to sport, which we spoke about in Izzy and Grunia's podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to the point where you decided you were ready, which is the first R, which we know can be any time from prenatal to postpartum? So I have two children, as you said. Um, I was uh, induced with both of them and both vaginal deliveries. Um, one was pre the return to running guidelines, the one was post the return to running guidelines. So um, my second pregnancy was a 2020 baby. So I was planning my return to sport during that pregnancy when we were locked down and had nothing else to do and life with toddler running around. So um, that was really important to me. I've been in sport, like you say, all my life. I played basketball and athletics from a young age. Um, I was the really annoying girl at school who just couldn't understand why everybody didn't want to do PE. That was me. Um, and I probably didn't realise actually why people don't want to do PE until I was maybe in my 20s. Um, so I used the return to running guidelines in clinic um, with my patients. I find them really easy to um to plan out my return um you know it was what I want to do week one week two week three all being well um I saw Gronya at six weeks for a postnatal check um and I had really no concerns had no pelvic floor dysfunction had no abdominal wall dysfunction had no kind of MSK pain mental health really good um no other concerns so it was from there then that we progressed on that we were doing that's probably a big take home for me at that stage was how um advanced Gronia was in like right let's get you um graded unpacked and let's load this abdominal wall whereas I would have probably been too cautious with my patients um so I was like oh right okay right we're gonna do Russian tusks, right, no problem, you know, and, and it really gave you that confidence to be like, well, this is okay, because why wouldn't you be able to do that? Because we've checked it all and it's fine. So it's that reassurance was um, really kind of pivotal um, in my kind of return. Um, I set a goal of starting to run at six months. Um, full disclosure, I don't like running. Um, <laughs> it's not a, I'm not a fan of it. It's not something that I 
love doing. I see it as a function. It's a function to get you back to sports or back to athletics so I can train. If I have to run any more than 300 metres, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> so um, run 5K was like a goal um, to get some fitness and to understand that I have the ability to train at higher volumes. Um, so I had, um, I was in no big rush to get back. So it sounds like you progressed through that ready, review and restore our first three hours, those phases relatively well. Um, I understand then you had a little bit of a hurdle. Would you like to share, yeah, what did you need the, the most support with in this phase considering that whole systems approach? Um, so at five months just before I started running, I started having a feeling of discomfort. It wasn't heaviness. Um, I think exercise helped. I think standard made it worse, but nothing really made sense. And trying to clinically reason yourself, any physio knows that is a disaster because you, you know all everything comes into play. Um, and then I have an MSK husband at home who couldn't understand either. So the two of us were like, "Oh, book on Macronia, okay, book on Macronia." Um, so after a brief spiral, um, I went and saw Gronia and. Um, Gronya just, she checked my pelvic floor in lying and I'm standing. And it's like, everything's fine. It's where it's supposed to be. But in my head, I was thinking, two vaginal births, two vaginal births. Now you're doing unpacked stuff. You have a prolapse. This is what this is. Um, and she reassured me that, no, everything's fine. We've done it in standing. We've had a look under pressure and it's fine. Um, and it, I'm not exaggerating. It disappeared overnight. Um, that sensation, that feeling, and it was probably more of that psychological return, that fear of movement um, that was having more of an impact on me. Um, so I started back into couch to 5K, achieved that a few weeks later, maybe seven or so weeks later, and then started back into um, shorter sprints and, and things like that. Um, so reassurance, so the, I think the biopsychosocial model that psychosocial that reassurance that you know I felt like in my job I could manage the return to sport and how your body's feeling um but the reassurance side of things from somebody who has checked it and understands it and um uh, is working really hard to to reassure you you know it was invaluable I think um in that return to sport Thanks, Steph. It really takes courage to share that and be a little bit vulnerable. And it really speaks to the point of the importance of considering all systems, whether that be pelvic health, energy balance, or some of those psychosocial factors. So what I really heard is that despite your experience, you were a bit surprised at how much you could do initially. And any clinician out there trying to treat themselves is very challenging. Um, and if we think about that, most patients are going to need that level of reassurance and empathy, even if they don't let on. And so there was definitely that psychosocial aspect for you. Was there any physical aspect to your symptoms? What was the sensation exactly? Uh, it is really hard to describe. I would normally, when I'm asking patients, I would say, is there a pressure? Do you feel that there's something there? Is there a heaviness? And it wasn't. I guess if it was any of those, it was like a heaviness 
or a different sensation. Sometimes I felt like if I wore tight jeans, it was like that. It was something like something was uncomfortable. I kept, you know, checking, tried to check myself, but could see nothing. And then it doesn't make sense from a from bio um, part of part of you because I'd stand all day and it would be fine. And the next day I'd be standing. I'd be left the child once and then I'd feel it. Mm. Um, I'd exercise and I'd feel better. It depended on what I was wearing and it just doesn't make any sense to me. And now I think looking back at that time of life when we were we were in lockdown in Northern Ireland at that stage back to after Christmas, not seeing anybody again, and two young kids at home, husband still in a jazz worker, still going out to work every day. And I think that was maybe more of that than anything, you know. Um, but in terms of like symptoms that you can put on paper, it's really hard to describe. And I can totally understand why women come in and really struggle to articulate what that feels like or what it well, how it's impacting them. Some really good insights, Steph, from your perspective as a patient about those sensations and then reflecting on what you ask your patients and how difficult it can be for them. Grania, from your viewpoint as the clinician, as you were trying to figure out what was going on, is do you, did you want to add anything? Uh, so as Steph said, she had come to me um, six weeks after having her baby and everything was, it, she was recovering really, really well and she was basically um, setting goals to progress onwards. So when she contacted a couple of months later, um, I probably was a bit surprised, thinking, right, okay, but her symptoms at that stage when she was handing over I probably was maybe thinking, I wonder, is there a little bit of descent or pelvic organ uh, prolapse of some degree? And certainly when taking her history, I was probably still thinking or starting to hypothesize along the same lines. Um, but no, she, I, I was picking up on some elements of fear. And funny, this is quite common in any of us who work in healthcare as well, particularly if it's our area that we specialize in, because while knowledge is power and it's great, sometimes... <laughs> we can know too much about things and then we try to be our own therapist and it, it just it, we think every sort of possibility is is happening so probably because of her knowledge and awareness in this area she was probably a little bit hyper vigilant and she knew that she was starting to progress exercise and stack up the load and there was all of that but what if this is a risk so i do think that our brains are are very very um amazing things and that they um that they can nearly magnify and focus in on an area. So I think that's what was happening. And she became quite hypervigilant of every sort of sensation and movement. The other thing I noticed when I was looking back through your notes was you were still breastfeeding at that stage. And even understanding that breastfeeding can lower our estrogen levels. And what that means is that our vaginal tissues can be a little bit drier than normal. And even that change can be something we can be more aware of um, sensations um, and more aware of discomfort. So that could have been a factor, but it was the reassurance we were able to provide when we assessed her and then made it functional to make sure and to reassure her that it's not just that it's okay when you're lying, you don't just stand up and everything falls out. Um, so we were able to do that and I assessed her and I was able to show her um, using ultrasound imaging as well so she could see that um, everything was nicely supported even under... Um, increases in intra-abdominal pressure and as soon as we started talking through it you could already see the fear element starting to um, make some sort of uh, 
attempts to resolve because you were nearly that relieved and then you you were able to see it for yourself and you understood and then you were happy to kind of move on and just progress on with with what you were planning and it was the message I got probably 24 or 48 hours later to say that you know what the symptoms have gone um, but that shows the power of that biopsychosocial element like how we think and how we feel about things definitely does influence our physical symptoms and it's not that we're imagining symptoms the symptoms are real but it's how our body is picking up on things and um I suppose manifesting symptoms Thanks, Gronia. And Izzy, from your point of view, from what you're seeing in the research that you've done recently and in terms of that, yeah, fear of movement side of things, anything to add? I guess it's quite common in sports injuries to have that fear of movement. Uh, anyone who's had a serious injury or even perhaps less serious injury will, will potentially have experienced it. And I think it's just a lot more accepted that that is gonna going to happen. We see it in, the, in when people rupture their anterior cruciate ligaments. It's a it's a really big factor that gets talked about. Just it doesn't get talked about much in in the postpartum or population or at all until uh, until we were able to look, assess it and essentially identify what what Steph has has talked about. So it it was a a barrier to people being able to return to run so it's probably also a barrier to other sports as well especially as you start going up and you know we only looked at running but you can imagine it's probably quite high if you are doing contact related sports as well so uh yeah we just need more more in other sports as people are returning postpartum um to see if it's a consistent finding and what do you think really helped Steph get through that hurdle and progress more into that recondition and return phase? Yeah, I think given her knowledge in this space, um, it was really important to take her through the clinical reasoning journey with me. Um, you do that with all patients, but you do it in more lay terms, I suppose, where Steph, um, I was really able to talk through the assessment and what I was doing, probably in the same way she would be assessing her um, patients or clients. Um, I think, too, that, yeah, I suppose when she came in, I probably was, when we were taking the history taken and we were getting to some of those symptoms, are you feeling heaviness or um, pulling or dragging in the pelvic area and the, the symptoms I think I remember that stage they were vague it was like no I'm not feeling heaviness um, and you're trying to articulate how you're finding it but still at that point I was probably on my subjective assessment thinking there may be something because again the risk factors are that in quite a significant amount of us particularly if we have vaginal deliveries will experience some degree of pelvic organ descent and a lot of us have pelvic organ descent and don't even realize we're asymptomatic to it it's essentially quite normal to have a degree of um descent um, it's only problematic if it becomes symptomatic um, and so i was probably thinking there's probably just normal laxity or some degree of something coming down whether it was the front wall back wall or the roof of the vagina um, and then when we were assessing, it was just really, really important to make sure that she understood that everything was as expected. She's doing really well. She's recovering well. The function of the pelvic floor is actually really good. So we all have reconditioning needs after having a baby. And she had got her check at the six uh, weeks postpartum and had to be working on everything quite um, diligently since then. So her strength and function was really good. And it was just nearly 
given her that permission to allow herself to accept that she's recovering well. And it does fit so much with what Izzy was saying. There's so many similarities and crossover with that return to sport post ACL. It's the same apprehensions and fear. And I think it's a fear of not wanting to push on too quickly and end up giving yourself a problem is one of the biggest fear I see in the postpartum population. And I'm sure that's exactly quite similar to what's happening in sports. People have done their SEL injury and don't want to redo it. Um, so I think you can really appreciate uh, where people are coming from. It's all about, um, Seth mentioned at the beginning that she was actually quite surprised that at that six week point time scale, how I was progressing her onwards. And it really is a very individual basis um, and it's all about assessing the load tolerance. And at that stage, she had been doing pelvic floor training since having her delivery. Her pelvic floor was strong even at that point and she was recovering really well. So she was ready to start to become more functional because one of the biggest things I always like to highlight is that the population we're dealing with, she already had a toddler at home and a newborn baby. She's lifting, she's tugging around, she's twisting, bending, she's deadlifting. So we have to make rehab and return to exercise look what lifestyle looks like for those women there's no point us telling them they can't do certain things and giving them heel slides if they're going home and having two babies in their arms and walking around and doing housework at the same time Grania, fantastic insights there the one thing i really took away from that was how important it is to go through the clinical reasoning thought process with all patients regardless of their background now back to you steph if we look at your journey using the six r's you had that little hurdle in that reconditioning and you're almost returning what did the rest of that phase look like for you so after that i feel like like once we got back to sprinting it was it was a fitness thing so um my goal which i shared with growing at six weeks and um she was very um encouraging was i would like to triple jump again um, as the master's athlete, so I'll be 35 in July. I'd like to try, I'd like to be able to, to do it. Um, and so after that, it was really about training. Um, so I kind of changed that, almost like a change in mindset from postnatal recovery. And I know that we're still recovering, but in my head, I was like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm training now as opposed to rehab. So, um, back doing 300s and 200s and 100s and um you know some plyometrics as well um and keeping uh, increasing the load on squats and um single leg work as well so um at uh 12 months so the day before aiden's birthday i got a jump in so we got into the pit from, um, I think I went off the seven metre board, but we, we reckon it was around nine metres, which after probably 10 years of not jumping and having two babies, I'm pretty happy about. So um, it's now about just making sure that I train because having two kids and two businesses and a house and groceries and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just about the managing that now. Um, so that it, it, when competition, when I can compete and, and after my birthday in the summer, um, that I, I can do it. So um, I'm hopeful um, and I've had no injury issues. Um, maybe weight is a wee bit of a concern for me sometimes because I think 
I'm still thinking like a 17-year-old athlete who's running up and jumping and now I'm a 35-year-old mother of two and that feels different. Um, so it's, it's changing my rhetoric. I know that impact is good for your joints. And, you know, I know all of that from an MSK point of view, but it still feels different and, and that can be a wee bit um, fear of movement um, can play into that as well. So just trying to get as strong as possible and um, keep working on plyometrics and, and and shorter sprinting stuff as well. So that's right. Oh, that's I'm amazing. Doing. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thanks. Really. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, that kind of bit of a side question, I guess, in terms of postpartum women and, yeah, you know, you've got back to that point and, and now you're saying it's, you know, making sure you're maintaining that training and, you know, still trying to improve perhaps. But, yeah, any tips for busy parents that try trying to fit in their their training and around life and kids? Probably the worst person to ask. <laughs> but um, you, ha- you have to prioritise yourself. The dishes will still be there after your 30-minute circuit. The dishes will still be there after your run. You can do them later. Um, and taking time for yourself isn't, it isn't a luxury. It's it's needed. Um, and we are probably, as physios, um, and pelvic health physios, probably the worst at telling people this all day long and look after yourself and you deserve it and then we don't do it because we're so busy with clinic and you know we really have to start listening to ourselves and um taking that time for yourself because everyone else does and we we can too <laughs> it's not a problem <laughs> yeah um i mean izzy i think you're you're about to be a mum for the first time and Gronio, anything you want to input? Because I think it is a really important topic to talk about amongst ourselves, but also with patients that, you know, it is that gendered environment of rehab that, you know, whether you've got kids or not, but those roles typically, and I'm stereotyping of, yeah, the things around the house and, and yeah, your exercise and performance gets to, to the bottom of the list. So I think it's, yeah, a conversation that we should have and be able to have with other women as well because otherwise we're going to, you know, continue to have, you know, these inferior outcomes and return to sport and physical activity for women. So, yeah, just interested in your thoughts, Izzy and Gronya, on that. Gronya's got much busier life than me. It's it's relatively easy for me at the moment to still exercise and, and do bits and pieces in and around work and working from home I think probably helps that to some degree actually I don't have any travel um and um I guess well my husband already knows that I will be uh once once baby comes along pushing as much as possible to to get some of that back because it will be also probably a little bit of my sanity um in in that me time so it's already on his radar uh, and he's very supportive of of that as well so I think that helps I'd agree with Izzy in saying that um one of the biggest things I or one of the most important things for women out there and anyone listening to this who has a significant other who may be in the situation or about to go into it is 
They need their village of support. So it is an element of people needing to step up to facilitate women getting that half hour away. Um, I'm a mum of four and life is somewhat crazy. Um, and I'm quite passionate about trying to break down barriers for women returning to or maintaining physical activity because there's so, we know that physical activity is a public health priority and we know that it has so many health um benefits both physically and mentally but it's also really important in terms of the future generation because parents who are active are more likely to have active children growing up it's kind of that learn by example or they're being exposed to situations where they are being encouraged to be physically active so we have a bit of a shed gym outside um, and uh, there's times um, that I'm exercising and there's four kids around now it's probably not the safest thing in the world because there's kids hanging off um, squat bars and I don't know what it's quite crazy but you nearly need to that's the crazy I need to do in my situation in life in order to get um, my activity in but it also they get a bit of a run about and they like exercise and um, I think it's a really good example to be setting to them. I think what Steph said about housework and everything can wait um, the world won't stop if you take half an hour out to go and exercise and it is so important for our san sanity and for postpartum women. I often think that kind of not to stereotype but as you said Brooke there can be certain stereotypes that do happen. And I find that women go through pregnancy and childbirth and there's a significant life change there. There's a significant transition to who you are as a person and what your life looks like now. So going from someone who only had to think about themselves, maybe their partner and their work to then suddenly have a human being rely on you is quite, quite a big life change. And while it changes for everyone in that household, I do think that after a couple of weeks, the guys start going back to work and they start going back to their gym sessions or their soccer or whatever they do. And there really needs to be a bit of an organization put in to make sure that that woman can get back because it's part of your identity and it's part of your former identity. And I think it's really important to tap into that for your own sanity so that you still feel like you're you and you have those elements of pulling on you and it doesn't feel like your life's been tipped upside down while everybody else gets on as normal. So I think it's really important to make sure women are getting back to physical activity and breaking down all barriers, whether it's physical recovery, whether it's fear of movement, whether it's trying to be able to work childcare. There's so many factors to consider, but they're easy fixes. We just need to plan for them. Congratulations on your return to running and jumping, Steph. So after return, the sixth part is refine, which... Uh, my understanding is about refining all of those systems, whether it be your energy balance, you're, you're looking at performance, uh, it might be breast health, um, to really enhance that return. So is there anything that you had to refine or, or general advice at this stage? Yeah, so I um, breastfed both my kids. Um, I'm still feeding the 17-month-old Um and I didn't start running until six months in both pregnancies. So I probably didn't have to deal with the feeling of being overfull or being uncomfortable. But I must admit, the first thing I did was throw on my old sports bra that probably doesn't fit um, and probably still doesn't fit. And you know that you should go and get fitted for a sports bra, but where do you go? What do you do? Who does that? Um, and I've been in sport for 20 years and I've never been fitted for a sports bra. 
Um, and all of those body changes, the weight or um, and two pregnancies, and I was active during both pregnancies and then afterwards. And, you know, you just pick it off the rack really and think, oh, this will be compressing enough for it. And it, it's really not. And it's really something that as a profession, we probably should be pushing for to be a bit more publicized and signposting women um, where it is available. Um, I think also a big thing with breastfeeding and exercise, um, the mother may not have their menstrual cycle back yet. Um, and if postpartum women, we know that reds, relative energy deficiency in sport is a massive, is a big risk. Um, but if you don't have a menstrual cycle to track, then what other factors are you tracking? And if fatigue could be one of them, if you're asking a breastfeeding mother at six months postpartum, are you tired? Of course they're tired. Um, and, you know, going to get a very curt reply, I think. Um, so it's one of the things that, um, like, is there another way to monitor this? Because they're going to be dropping weight if they're increasing their exercise. And, um, we just maybe have to be a bit more clued in to be to, for calories and um, that energy and, and not let it go down into that um, reds or where their bone health is affected, particularly if it's impact like women. I think if someone is energy depleted, they're going to present some way systemically unwell. There's going to be a sense that this person isn't, you know, if someone's exercising and they're getting the physical benefits out of it, they're enjoying life. Yes, they might be tired as a postpartum mom, but they probably won't appear systemically unwell. If something isn't fitting right and you're starting to ask, and that woman is someone who is always on the go, ask her about her her nutrition and don't just simply say, are you eating, you know, regularly? Because most postpartum women might be, creating meals and feeding the family, but they might be just nearly picking themselves because they're nearly organizing everyone else. So they might not be getting adequate nutrition and they may not be aware that they're not. Sometimes it takes slowing down and actually looking at what you're actually doing to realize I'm probably not getting the right um, caloric intake. And with breastfeeding, we need more than if we were postpartum and not breastfeeding because it does expend energy. So it's being mindful of that. Um, but I think if we look at a woman and look at her wider whole system factors, you're also asking her about things like, well, what's your sleep quality like? Because, again, that's one of our elements of how we recharge. So she might be getting she might be getting disturbed sleep because she's up with kids. But if she feels like when she goes to sleep, she gets to sleep quite quick and she gets back to sleep and she wakes up feeling relatively refreshed first thing in the morning, you're hopefully getting an idea that she is getting a bit of recovery. Um, but I always think nutritional intake including water is really important and just being mindful for aches and pains and if they're not making sense to um maybe look into that bone health issue um, and flag a potential relative energy deficiency issue um, thanks Stephen Grony you've wrapped up that framework and that sixth R of refining some of those whole systems really well you touched on bra fitting and and breast health um for those who want to know a little bit more about that i uh, would recommend you listening to deirdre mcgee's bjsm podcast let's exercise in comfort everything you need to know about bra fitting and breast health there now to finish off steph can you leave us with a couple of key messages for clinicians treating pregnant or postpartum women 
I kind of mush them together, merge them together. I think ask the uncomfortable questions. They won't always be uncomfortable. So ask about leaking, ask about heaviness, ask about all those things. Um, know your anatomy in that area. Um, we have to ask Cora Queen of questions anyway for everybody coming on my back pain and leg pain. So and you're aware of that area, you know, you're aware of the the terminology to use and just get comfortable using that terminology with your pregnant and postpartum women. Um, I would also say ask about your goals because as we touched on earlier, they're not just a mum. They are women. They are an athlete, possibly. They have their own goals and their drive and things that they want to get back to. And sometimes it's not just about getting them pain-free. It's about getting them back triple jumping or getting them back, you know, playing rugby or, you know, whatever that is, make sure that you are not just treating them as a mum, that you're treating them as that person, you know, and that whole what they want to achieve um, in the next few years or, you know, in the next six months. Um, and the other thing is go and find or go and speak to your, your pelvic health colleagues because we love it we love talking about it and we love when anybody shows any interest in it um so they are always in any hospital that i ever worked on they're always like behind a closed door and nobody really knows what goes on in there um and nobody really talks about it and just go and ask them questions especially for women of a certain age uh, or postpartum women with hip pain or back pain or pelvic pain you know you need to be asking your, your pelvic health colleagues and, and open that conversation because once you realize that they have that wealth of information, your clinical practice will get much better and you'll have the whole wealth of, of information there at your disposal. Thank you, Steph, Izzy and Gronya. And special big thanks to you, Steph. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your ability to flip from being a patient um, and being a physio and, and share those perspectives, I think the listeners will find really useful. To everyone tuning in, thank you for listening to this BJSM podcast and we hope you have a physically active day.